Hi, I'm Linda Calabresi. I'm a GP and the medical editor of HealthEd. Welcome to our unique podcast series now available direct to your device. The series features some of Australia's leading clinical experts talking on topics that are both practical and important to Australian GPs. Hello everyone, my name is Dr David Freiberg. I'm a respiratory and sleep specialist and today's talk is on asthma control. Firstly, I'd like to say that this activity has a grant by GSK and I've also received an honorarium from Health Ed to do this talk. Asthma can be described as having two key features, airway hyperresponsiveness, which really means that the airway smooth muscle hyperresponds and contracts too vigorously to outside stimuli, and chronic airway inflammation. Now, respiratory specialists like to measure these uh, phenomena, and you can as well. So airway hyperresponsiveness is demonstrated by a 12% improvement in FEV1 or a a 400 mil improvement on a well-performed spirometry before and after bronchodilator. That is a phenomenon that only occurs in asthma. It doesn't, it's not always present and and it won't be present on patients who have been on treatment. So another way of demonstrating this is a bronchial provocation test which is of course performed in a respiratory laboratory. And we'll be alluding to bronchial provocation testing in the evidence-based medicine for the treatment for asthma. Uh, Airway inflammation, you can also measure a serum eosinophil count of greater than 300, which is still in the normal range, but the upper end of the normal range is a sign of airway inflammation in your asthmatic patients. And and added to that, you can send your patient to your local respiratory specialist laboratory where we can measure the fraction of expired nitric oxide, um, which is a simple test that directly indicates eosinophilic um, inflammation in the airways. And these two key features have driven treatments for asthma and the guidelines for um, asthma, which I'm about to show you. And both of these features can be demonstrated in patients who are in their asymptomatic phase with normal baseline lung function. So this is the Australian Asthma Handbook uh, Cascade of Treatment for Asthma. And at the bottom of the pyramid is uh, what you initiate your patients with and which is for the broad majority of mild asthmatic patients. And number one says very few patients these days should be on short-acting bronchodilator therapy alone. You should um, consider using a combination of ICS LABA as uh, on an as-needed basis for these patients or alternatively if you can convince your patient to use a regular daily treatment, a, once, uh, a regularly daily inhaled steroid for these patients, as I'll show you, will result in the best possible control. If that's not enough, the next step in the cascade is to go to regular ICS-LABA, 
which would mean on a once daily or twice daily basis regularly, depending on um, what ICS larva you use. If that's not sufficient, you go up again to moderate to high dose ICS larva. Now, in patients who aren't controlled with that, you start looking at triple therapy, uh, just as you're familiar with using this now in your COPD patients, there is a definite role in the more severe asthmatics for triple therapy, which adds a long-acting anti-muscarinic um, agent. And um, the guidelines suggest that where possible, you try and use a single inhaler for um, all these therapies, including if you go up to triple therapy. Now, at the very top of the pyramid is if this is insufficient for your patient, you should then really consider referring to a respiratory specialist because we can determine firstly with our lung function testing that we have the correct diagnosis. And if we do, we can uh, consider if they fulfill the very stringent guidelines for the very effective biologic agents for asthma. But we won't be go talking about biologics today. Um, so let's look at the evidence behind um, these guidelines and particularly the evidence between, between um, regular maintenance therapy versus intermittent treatment. So first of all, this slide comes from the New England Journal of Medicine more than 20 years ago, um, where it looks at the number of canisters of inhaled steroids uh, uh, used by the patient per year, the greater the number of these canisters they use on the x-axis, the lower their risk of dying from asthma. So that is a pretty profound slide and showing the importance of inhaled steroids. Now this, the next few slides are also from studies from the New England Journal of Medicine, but much more frequent, much more recent rather. And they're comparing uh, the PRN terbutaline, a short-acting bronchilator, to the PRN as needed ICS larva budesonide for Motorol to the regular daily inhaled steroid budesonide alone. And they're looking at the um, benefits of these three different arms. So on the y-axis is the well-controlled asthma weeks. And you can see if you add in an inhaled steroid to the short-acting therapy, that's the red bar, you get a statistically significant improvement in asthma control, control of asthma symptoms compared to just as needed to butylene. But the best always is regular inhaled steroids as shown in the yellow bar. Now this looks at lung function and you can see um, if you can convince your patient, if your patient will only use an as-needed therapy, then if it, there's an inhaled steroid in that therapy, their lung function will be significantly better um, compared to terbutylene alone. But the lung function will always be best if the patient uses an inhaled steroid every day, even when asymptomatic. Now, this final slide from these studies is what was surprising to some and what convinced authorities such as the PBS to um, use ICS larva therapy on an as-needed uh, basis for mild asthmatics. And that is getting some inhaled steroid in 
even on an as-needed PRN basis on the red bar, um, versus uh, using it regularly, both of them equally significantly reduce the, the risk of severe asthma medications, uh, exacerbations. So, um, and there was no difference between as-needed inhaled steroids and regular inhaled steroids for severe exacerbations. So what are these inhaled steroids doing? You've all, I'm sure, seen this slide over the years. It's an electron microscopy looking on the left at an untreated uh, asthmatic patient's bronchial biopsy, which shows um, eosinophilic infiltrate, a thickened basement membrane, and a denuded pseudostratified columnar epithelium. Now, three months of regular inhaled steroids um, alone, similar to the previous slides and study, um, regular budesonide as an example, will completely normalize the um, morphology and histology uh, as seen um, on the alternate slide uh, where there is no inflammatory infiltrate, the basement membrane has thinned and the uh, epithelium has returned to normal. Now, Consider a slide in the middle of these two, uh, which has partial improvement, and that's probably what you achieve when you use ICS larva on a PRN basis. And if you do that, you will not um, improve their symptoms or lung function as well as inhaled steroids, but you will significantly reduce their risk of severe exacerbations, as we've just shown. So this is a timeline of the improvement of symptoms when you add regular inhaled steroids to your patients. So the very brittle and concerning sign of weightening with nighttime symptoms will go within days of adding inhaled steroids. Lung function will improve and plateau over weeks to a few months. But the need for short-acting bronchiolator therapy when you're on regular inhaled steroids will significantly reduce, but will always be there. And the patient, to de demonstrate that the disease may be controlled but not cured, will always have evidence of airway hyperresponsiveness. So that is if you get a well-controlled asthmatic uh, into a respiratory laboratory who's been on regular inhaled steroids, we will still trigger uh, bronchoconstriction with a bronchial provocation test. It may take up very high doses to trigger it off. That means they're not easily triggered, but will still demonstrate that that key feature of asthma persists. This is a slide looking at uh, weeks from the introduction of inhaled steroid and either flutixone propionate or budesonide. And as the weeks go on, their asthma control improves because on the y-axis it looks at the dose um, required to trigger bronchoconstriction during a bronchial provocation test. So as you go up the y-axis, the asthma control improves and that continues to improve over time. And, and if you suddenly at four weeks stop the um, inhaled steroid, then the, all the bronchial hyperresponsiveness returns within days or, or a week or two, showing the importance of regular maintenance therapy. 
So consider adding inhaled steroids to your patients in some form if they have any of the following features which are suggestive of active asthma but not severe active asthma. That is, they only need to have symptoms twice in the past month. They need to only have woken up once in the past month with asthma symptoms from sleep. And they've only needed to have one flare or exacerbation in the last 12 months with the definition of an exacerbation being uh, a change in symptoms requiring any change in treatment. So it doesn't have to be hospitalization. Um, it can be just adding much more regular beta-2 agonist therapy. So as an example, let's meet Matthew. Matthew came to you this year in February uh, for management of a knee injury, but reviewing his file, you noted that just uh, five months before he came to your clinic um, uh, for, for his asthma and you made a change in his asthma management and once you sorted out his knee problems you thought it was a good opportunity to look and see um, how he's going. So he had a history of childhood asthma that he always felt he'd grown out of as an adult um, except he kept using Ventolin all the time. And so in September last year, you switched him over to as-needed budesonide for Motorol, uh, replacing his Ventolin. And so you asked him the following questions. How is your asthma? And he says, it's normal, fine. Now, you, you're, uh, of course, you won't leave it at there. You ask more probing questions. And uh, how are you going with your new inhaler? Can, do you have any issues with it? Do you use it when you need it? He says his adherence and inhaler technique is fine. Often it's best to actually get him to demonstrate his inhaler technique. So then you go on to ask, well, how many times in the last week have you needed your ICS larva? And he says three days in the week. And how many, and are you waking up with nighttime symptoms? He still has persistent nighttime symptoms. And um, he's using his budesonide for Motorol uh, more days than not, even, and we're not talking about exercise related. You do his lung function, it's still obstructive, and there's still bronchial hyperresponsiveness demonstrated by the 400 mil reversibility post later. So, in other words, uh, Matthew is not well controlled. Uh, with ICS larva um, as needed therapy. So what are the options? You could increase the dose of his ICS larva on a PRN basis. You could switch him to daily ICS monotherapy with short-acting bronchodilator. You could step up to regular ICS larva with um, a Saba or just keep him on his present inhaler and use his budesonide for Motorol twice daily, probably two inhalations, and use this as his rescue medication as well. That's the so-called MART or maintenance um, and reliever therapy approach. So I would suggest to you that um, the second, third, and fourth approaches will all probably work, um, but the third and fourth would probably be uh, what most people would suggest. So moving on from Matthew, um, you tell him to use, although you indicate that he needs to use much more regular therapy and he wants to know the safety of using inhaled steroids 
all the time. So this is a graph looking at um, steroid development uh, over the last century. We first got cortisone nearly 100 years ago, orally. We first got inhaled beclomethazone in the 1970s. And the medical sciences have man, uh, manipulated the steroid molecule over the last 50 years to, to minim minimise their mineral corticoid activity, enhance their anti-inflammatory um, activity, and to particularly uh, enhance their binding and potency to the steroid receptor uh, in the bronchial mucosa. So if you look at binding affinity uh, on this slide, comparing the inhaled steroids you're familiar with, the most uh, potent binding uh, uh, inhaled steroid is fluticasone furate, which is very different to fluticasone propionate, which is the third one down. So fluticasone furate commercially in Australia is available in annuity, brio, and trilogy elliptors where fluticasone propionate is in fluidiform serotide. So if you are uh, combined to the receptor with great affinity like fluticasone furate, first of all, you'll be able to use it once daily. And second of all, the, the greater they bind to the receptor, the less likely they will be systemically absorbed through the circulation within the lung, and you'll reduce their risk of corticosteroid systemic absorption and then side effects. So this slide looks at the possible ways we can um, absorb an inhaled steroid through the lung, how it could get in the systemic circulation and risk long-term side effects. As you all know, using these drugs over decades, they are basically very safe but we want to minimise systemic absorption. The main way to get systemic absorption is through the circulation in the lung. You can get it through the, the amount of inhaled steroids swallowed into your esophagus, stomach, and then absorbed, but the very high hepatic first mass metabolism really minimises that. So we want, to, we want to have an effective inhaled steroid with minimal of a, a systemic absorption. So here is a study comparing the efficacy of inhaled steroids to the systemic absorption by comparing airway hyperresponsiveness and adrenal axis suppression. So this study looked at three inhaled steroids and a placebo. On the top is fluticasone furate in an elliptor, then fluticasone propionate in an acuhaler, then budesonide in a turbohaler. And over uh, five weeks, they started from very low doses to very high doses, and each week they would do the serum cortisol and a bronchial provocation test. The serum cortisol, if it's been suppressed, meaning there's systemic absorption, and the, hyper, and the bronchial provocation test are direct and the most um, uh, effective way of measuring control of asthma and control of airway hyperresponsiveness. So in the circles here are the doses that you would use therapeutically. So you can see we are going from subtherapeutic to soup to mac to dosages as well above the therapeutic range that we would use. And these are the results. Now I know it's a busy slide, 
but on the x-axis is cortisol suppression. And it, if your cortisol suppression is less than 20%, it's not considered to be significant. So you want to get um, your uh, patient's results in the less than 20% range, but you want to get it as high as possible on the y-axis because that looks at airway control of airway hyperresponsiveness by the dose required to trigger asthma in a bronchial provocation test. The higher the dose going up the y-axis, the better control of asthma. So you can see with fluticasone furate at the 100 and 200 microgram dosages, what you would use in a Brio or Trilogy inhaler the patients have no significant serum cortisol suppression and compared to the other inhaled steroids, they are the highest in controlling asthma. Now looking at fluticasone propionate and budesonide, the doses you would use in your moderate asthmatics are in the range of uh, cortisol suppression, but not as efficacious um, in controlling their asthma as fluticasone furate. So not all inhaled steroids are the same. Besides having a safe and effective inhaled steroid, we want to maximize adherence and device technique. This slide looks at a large observational study in obstructive lung disease, including asthma and COPD, and showed that if they had critical errors in using their inhalers, their control of their asthma was statistically significantly worse. Their use of oral corticosteroids increased, their emergency visits increased, as did their hospitalizations. So we have to get our patients to use their puffers and use them properly. This is a slide looking at comparing the uh, risk of critical errors in patients with different inhalers. So in blue is the elliptor, and then uh, it's the alternate is the AccuHaler, the MDI, and the TurboHaler. And you, across all these comparative studies, there was the lowest critical error rate with the uh, elliptor, which patients found the easiest to use. Now this is a study comparing adherence with different forms of ICS larva therapy that we have available and uh, that is crucial in the uh, asthma guidelines. So the blue is fluticasone furate volantrol uh, compared to in the yellow budesonide for moterol and in the green becamethasone for moterol. And the, and the adherence was greater always with the uh, fluticasone furate volantrol and one of the reasons likely for this is that it, that's a once daily therapy the others are twice daily and to emphasize that this is a uh, the Salford lung study this is done in England in an area that has electronic records this is a real world study done in general practice looking at over 4,000 patients who were on treatment for asthma who were diagnosed by the GP with asthma and used uh, a third of them were on ICS and two thirds were on ICS larva. And they were randomized 
to the once daily fluticasone furate volantrol versus their usual therapy. And over six months, they used an asthma control test, which is a questionnaire, to gauge their control and adherence to their asthma. So in this study, if you look at, or if you compare the patients in blue on um, fluticasone furate volantrol versus all other therapy with ICS larvas, they remained on their usual ICS larva, and you looked at their responders and their control of their asthma, it was significantly greater in the group using fluticasone furate volantrol. Now, we don't know exactly why that is, but of course, one of the reasons, uh, the reasons may be what's been demonstrated already that to aid adherence, one study therapy is always better. The patients may have adhered to the inhaler because they got greater benefit, because we've shown you that it's a very potent, effective and safe inhaled steroid. And of course, the patient was less likely to get critical errors with the device uh, the elliptor device used in this therapy. So in summary, asthma is characterized by airway inflammation, which requires consistent anti-inflammatory therapy. And if you do that, you will normalize the airway hyperresponsiveness and assisting in that will be long-acting bronchodilate therapy. ICS maintenance therapy is superior to ICS LABA as needed therapy for as your milder end of the asthmatics in regard to asthma control and lung function, but um, the risk of serious exacerbation is similar in both groups. Fluticasone furate um, provides the greatest protection against airway hyperresponsiveness with the least systemic uh, absorption compared to the other available inhaled steroids on the PBS. And once daily ICS larva has been shown to increase adherence compared to twice daily ICS larva. Once daily ICS larva in an easy to use inhaler outperform the other similar ICS larvas in controlling asthma symptoms in a real world GP practice study with over 4,000 patients. So thank you very much, and I hope that helps you control the majority of your patients that fall in the mild to moderate asthma group. Thank you for joining us. We hope you are enjoying this series and will recommend it to your friends and colleagues. I'm Linda Calabresi, and on behalf of the team here at HealthEd, I look forward to joining you soon for our next podcast. If you enjoyed this audio segment, you can find out more about our free webcast lectures, which can be accessed from any device on our website at healthed.com.au. The podcasts published on this page are for medical professionals only. The content is not a substitute for medical advice. If you have a health issue, you should seek the advice of a suitable qualified health professional.